So last time we were here, we, um, we listened to a, a talk given by Russell Atkinson on uh, Advaita Vedanta. And uh, so today I'm going to continue um, with that uh, discussion, but uh, uh, bringing in uh, to the discussion uh, what are the uh, similarities and or differences uh, between Advaita and Mahayana um, Buddhism in particular the emptiness teachings both two examples of non-dual paths and I want to frame this discussion in the, in the rather big question uh, which I'd like you to contemplate uh, as to um, whether or not there is one truth or one reality uh, to which all different religions or spiritual paths lead to that particular viewpoint has become known as the perennial philosophy as identified by Albert Huxley many years ago it was also the position of the, uh, the theosophists, Madame Blavatsky and you'll also hear that repeated uh, around the, uh, the various uh, spiritual centres uh, that all, tr all paths lead to the one truth, or the one reality. I mean, if there is such a thing as truth, then surely truth remains the same, no matter where it is we find it. Um, um, or, the alternative might be, do, uh, do different paths with different viewpoints lead to different realizations? So, for example, then the question becomes the, the, the realization of self in Avaita is that the same realization of self as in Zen? Avaita and, uh, and, and, and the Mahayana Buddhism, that where in, in Mahayana Buddhism we include uh, both uh, the Tibetan Buddhism, the various schools of Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, the various schools of Zen Buddhism, or Soto Zen and Rinzai Zen. The uh, other uh, Zens in Korea, Vietnam. Um, and there are, other, there are other sort of schools of Mahayana Buddhism. But um, one of the distinctive characteristics of Mahayana Buddhism is what's known as the emptiness teachings. Uh, you'll find that explicated in the works of the Dalai Lama. Uh, and uh, as well as in Zen Buddhism and the, the emptiness teachings are, are the teachings uh, that came, came down to us through the Prajnaparamita uh, teachings, the wisdom teachings we chant the short, all Zen centers chant a very short version of that known as the Heart Sutra where it says form is emptiness, emptiness is form So, um, in the, uh, the lecture that uh, Russell gave uh, a few weeks ago, he was basically giving us an introduction to, I guess, classical Hindu philosophy passed down by the Upanishads. Uh, and uh, 
he spoke about um, the particular school known as Advaita Vedanta, which is a non-dual teaching uh, where the, uh, the, the, the principle of truth or reality in that teaching is known as Brahman. And Brahman is the transcendent and imminent ultimate reality. As Russell said, it's kind of like the teaching that God is within. But in fact, it's a little bit more than that. It actually implies that there is, uh, you know, when we say God is within, it kind of like implies there's something that's without. But in fact, there's no within or without. Everything's Brahman. It's a principle of reality. It's not a theistic notion of a personal God. Now, in, in the talk, Russell did discuss the, didn't compare and contrast Advaita with, uh, with Zen, so that's what I want to do today. And uh, it's a tricky, uh, a tricky uh, terrain. And uh, you'll see some differences, and you'll also see some slippages where sometimes it's difficult to distinguish the two. And all Zen teachers vary a little bit between the two. Um, but like with uh, you know, like with Western Zen and Western teachers of Zen uh, today in contemporary. Europe and the United States. We also have contemporary teachers of Advaita. Um, um, one of the teachers I'm familiar with um, is a teacher called Rupert Spiram, who's based in the UK. He's also uh, a, a well-known ceramic, ceramic artist. Um, this is a, um, a book called The Work on Presence. And, um, he, uh, he teaches around the States and Europe. And uh, other names you may be familiar with is uh, Muji. He's also a non-Avaita teacher. And Shante, he kind of like integrates Zen and Avaita. So there are a number of contemporary Avaita teachers. Um, and uh, they do uh, what are called satsangs, where they... Um, they basically, um, the members of the audience stand up and they have a dialogue. That's the satsang. Um, so, one of the things we can, I think, more or less agree on is that both of these traditions agree on the goal of ending suffering through seeing through the illusion of a separate self. I mean, that's pretty clear. Both agree that the separate self is itself suffering. There's no difference between the two. There's not a self that suffers. Suffering is the separate self. The separate self is suffering. Um, that's why in uh, you know, the Buddha taught only one thing, suffering and the ending of suffering. And in Buddhism, it has a particularly unique meaning. The suffering that we talk about ending is the suffering that is generated by the identification of the separate self. Not talking about the eradication of poverty or discrimination on a global level. 
talking about the ending of suffering through the ending of the illusion of the separate self. Jonathan has full enlightenment tomorrow and realizes the ending of the separate self. There'll still be poverty in the world. There'll still be discrimination in the world. But maybe there are like, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of people who realize the ending of the separate self. Then maybe there's some hope of ending poverty and discrimination in the world. If everybody was coming from a non-dualistic perspective, then there would be no discrimination, would there? And maybe we might treat each other equally with the same consideration and respect. So they both show that, what you might call the sociological goal, uh, the goal of the ending of suffering, which all religions kind of share. Just that the meaning of salvation differs from religion to religion. However, Avaita and Zen, because of the two different traditions, so, and because you know Avaita comes from the Hindu context, and uh, Zen comes from the teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha, they have incommensurable understandings of the nature of reality. Or do they? That's the question. They seem to. Uh, these different, this, this difference can be quite simply summarized as uh, Avaita basically teaches that all is one. Everything is one. So everything, differences, all the differences in the world, all the many things in the world collapse, a collapse into one. Whereas in Zen Buddhism and Mahayana Buddhism, Buddhism in general, such as the Tibetan tradition, um, there's more of a dialectical understanding. There's a, like a sense in which we move or have some realization into the duality or the relative world, the world of many things, to the realization of unity or the absolute or the oneness, and then returning again to the many. There's one Zen Koan that says, Where does the one return to? The one returns to the many. So in, in Zen, we hold the reality of both sides of the coin. Uh, summarized in the expression uh, first pronounced by famous philosopher Nagunjana, 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 I can't remember how to pronounce it. Um, he's the 14th uh, founding teacher in Zen Buddhism, but a very famous Buddhist philosopher on duality, who pronounced a samsara is nirvana and nirvana is samsara. So if you like, if, if um, uh, the difference between like Mahayana and Theravada Buddhism was the, the sense in which in, in Theravada Buddhism there was, there was this, step, this kind of gradual approach or stepped approach whereby one was liberated from the cycle of birth and death or suffering or samsara by nirvana. And the final, the final nirvana was kind of like a complete, gone. But in, in the Mahayana teachings, um, 
we're not we're not seeking to move from samsara to nirvana. We realize that samsara is itself nirvana. So this avoids in 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 Mahayana Buddhism in in, in Avaita you get this you could call it a duality between appearance and reality. So reality is one, and everything else, body. The world is is an appearance. Um, just got a quote here from. There's a really good book by um, an Australian uh, <coughs> academic uh, called Lisa Davis, who teaches in in, in Melbourne, she, uh, and uh, she wrote a book on the vice of Vedanta and Zen Buddhism. This is a quote from one of her books um, called uh, From Avaita Vedanta and Zen Buddhism, Deconstructive Methods of Spiritual Inquiry. Um, Murti summarizes the philosophical differences between the Buddhist and Brahmanic Hindu paths to liberation thus. (coughs) There are two main currents of Indian philosophy, one having its source in the Atma doctrine of the Upanishads and the other in the Anatma doctrine of the Buddha. They conceive reality on two distinct and exclusive patterns. The Upanishads and the systems following the Brahmanical tradition conceive reality on the pattern of an inner core or soul Atman, immutable, that is unchanging, and identical, amidst an outer region of impermanence and change. So in Advaita, reality is basically unchanging, outside of space and time and there is this appearance of impermanence and change which we get identified with which generates suffering if we come back and return to the changeless we experience peace happiness love that may be termed the substance view of reality the contemporary teachers such as Rupert Spira Spira he simplifies this. So rather than talking about Brahman, he simply says that reality is simply awareness or consciousness. He uses them synonymously. So everything is consciousness or everything is an awareness. This is a substance view of reality. The body appears in awareness. The mind appears in awareness. The body is made out of awareness. This is the this is the teaching of the Vita. So as you can see, it's a non-materialist philosophy. It posits consciousness comes first, and everything is consciousness. It's quite radical to get your mind around it, and uh, and 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 uh, very beautiful. The other tradition represented by the Buddhist denial of substance for Atman and all that implies. So in Buddhism there is no inner and unchanging core in things. Everything is flux. There was a similar philosophical, uh, famous philosophical debate in pre-Socratic Greek philosophy as well. 
between, between a, a famous philosopher called Parmenides, who argued that everything was an unchanging full plenum, and change was an illusion. <coughs> and Heraclitus, who argued that everything was in flux. So you see, pre-Socratic philosophy was around about 500 BC, so around about the same time as the Buddha was teaching. So all these ideas were circulating around that time. So the goal of a Vaita is to realize that oneself, Atman, gets obscured by ignorance and false identification, avidya. And when avidya is seen through, when ignorance is seen through, the Atman is realized as identical with Brahman. Advaita, all is self, ultimate reality, the ontological being, fullness of all things, all is one, Brahman. The, there's a couple of methods, but one of the main methods of inquiry that's used in Advaita is self-inquiry, basically meditating on the question, who am I? Whereas in the emptiness teachings, which posits everything's empty, impermanent and relational, everything is interdependent, co-arising. Buddha nature itself is impermanence. Emptiness itself is empty. There is no essence, there's no permanent essence to be found anywhere. So one is all and all is one. There is no self in that sense. There's no continuing self-existence. We do acknowledge the, you know, we have a conventional self and a conventional identity, Andrew, Jonathan, God, etc. And uh, but there has no inherent, like there's no inherent thing anywhere in the universe which has an inherent identical permanent substance. So, Avaita teaches that awareness is everything, and everything appears and disappears in awareness. But awareness itself is not dependent on the things or objects which appear in awareness. So the appearance of the, the illusion of being a separate entity, located in a body, within a world of objects, collapses, and in that realization, one realizes, from the point of view of a Vaita, there is no doer. There's nothing to, no done to, no chooser, no thinker, no feeler, no one who is born or dies, no time or space. And as Spira himself says, to quote, our self, awareness, never goes anywhere or does anything. Now, is this not similar to emptiness or not? Maybe the two sides of the coin are fullness and emptiness. I'm not sure. But there are some teachings, some schools in Zen, one school which is known as the Yogacara school, which is also known as mind-only school, which comes pretty close to the Abhita teachings. But let's continue. So, 
from the emptiness perspective in Zen, um, awareness is seen as interdependent as well. So awareness is also dependent on the things that arise in awareness. Everything in an, an emptiness perspective is relational and interdependent, co-arising. There is no permanent, unchanging substance anyway. So in, in Zen, in, in, you know, maybe all we can say with certainty is that we are this moment. And again, a quote from uh, uh, Lisa Davis, um, from an emptiness perspective. <coughs> all phenomena arise and fall on an interdependent, contingent, continuum, and are impermanent, flashings in the vast phenomenal world. The self-like reality is uncentered and unstable, fundamentally all is empty, but it's through the realization of that emptiness is the freedom, the peace, the love. Right. So in Zen, non-duality includes not getting caught in the duality of the one and the many, equality and difference, appearance, reality, mean and end. However, even though Avaita and uh, Zen have different philosophical presentations of reality, from a phenomenological or experiential viewpoint, both paths lead to the dis dissolution of the separate self and towards self as awareness. For example, I'm quoting Elizabeth Hamilton a teacher in the Ordinary Mind Zen School who says, Zen has assured us for a millennium that as illusions fall away, there's a shift from self as person to self-awareness to self as awareness. And to quote Joko Beck from Nothing Special, awareness has no space, time or identity, and yet it's who we are. The minute we talk about it, it's gone. In terms of practice, we don't have to try to be aware. What we have to do is to watch our thoughts. We should not try to be aware. We are always aware unless we're caught in our self-centered thinking. That's the point of labeling our thoughts. So according to both traditions, it is our dualistic view of the world that stops us from experiencing things as they are, at least non-dual. So perhaps they are both different paths to the same realization, or do different views lead to different realizations? Another quote from uh, Lisa. Much of the spiritual literature depicts the existential problems and doubts of spiritual aspirants as they come up against the doctrine of practice that is both intellectually and experientially inconsistent with their worldview. In the traditions and the consideration here, the respective spiritual searches of two key masters, Sri Ramana Maharshi, 1879-1950, and Ihai Dogen Zenji, 1200-1253, were each brought to a head by the urgent need to resolve a deeply troubling existential question. In the case of the Advaita master, Ramana Maharashi, for example, 
the undeniable fact of bodily death led him to a radical questioning of what is it that dies. By questioning exactly who or what he was, Ramana realized that identification with the form of the body was an erroneous identification, and who he really was was the non-dual self, permanent, unchanging, and not subject to birth and death. In the case of the Soto Zen master, Ahidogen, his deep doubt over the necessity of practice in the light of the intrinsic Buddhahood teachings forced him to question the duality between spiritual practice as a means and Buddhahood or realization as a means. And through contact with the correct teacher and the authentic practice of just sitting, he resolved his question in the non-dual realization that practice and enlightenment are one. Ramana asking, who am I? And Dogen asking, why must I practice if I am already enlightened? So focused the energies and inquiries that their respective spiritual breakthroughs and methods of inquiry became paradigmatic for the Advaita, Vedantic and Soto Zen Buddhist lineages that followed. In a broader sense, the import of these questions is central to any spiritual practitioner, for they succinctly reflect two fundamental spiritual doubts. Who am I, really? And what am I doing? So in contemporary Advaita, meditative inquiry is focused on the deconstructive question, Who am I? which is augmented and extended by questioning and dialoguing with a teacher. In Soto Zen, the deconstructive practice of just sitting, an objectless yet physically precise form of meditative inquiry, is the core of spiritual practice and is also augmented by and extended by questioning and dialoguing with a teacher, either in private interviews, Dr. Sen, or at formal or informal Dharma talks. So, are the realizations of Ramana Maharashi and Dogen Zenji the same or different? That's the question I'll leave you.